It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Training camp is over. We're on to Sam Houston State, but not without some news and notes coming from BYU head coach Kalani Satake, defensive coordinator Jay Hill, and more importantly, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, breaking all that down and more on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Once again, go to birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege or enter that promo code lockedoncollege for a free white tech hat with any purchase from our friends at Bird Dogs. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. By way of introduction, real quick, this is still your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. A big thank you to all of you who download, subscribe, rate, review, like this show. It's all possible because of your guys' support, so cannot thank you guys enough for doing just that. All right, let's dive right in and talk BYU football. Training camp is officially in the books. Today, BYU is having an off day as a football program. They're headed to float the Provo River. So if you happen to be up in Provo Canyon at some point, probably mid-afternoon-ish, I would assume if you look over at the Provo River, you may see some uh, guys floating the river that seem like they're bigger than most people you see doing that. That's probably going to be the BYU football program. Of course, I'm sure there'll be plenty a social media post of the guys floating the river. Kalani Satake said that uh, he does not favor doing the slip and slide stuff because, as he says, that requires coaches to like run and do things. He said this way, uh, speaking of the Provo River trip, he can just sit and he says he can, the current can just take him downstream. So, can't blame him one bit. So uh, BYU officially closing up training camp last night. Uh, they had a practice, and obviously uh, they are getting ready now for Sam Houston State. All attention will turn to the Bearcats tomorrow as BYU begins the air, air preparations in earnest for the upcoming season. Obviously, they've probably done some early scout work on the Bearcats. The biggest thing with uh, Sam Houston State, just a quick note on that, is they have a new offensive coordinator uh, running the show there for Sam Houston State. So obviously trying to get a read on what they're going to run offensively is going to be something that Jay Hill is going to have a hard time deciphering. But BYU will be ready. I- I've got no doubt that they will be absolutely uh, getting themselves prepared as much as possible for this game. Now Kalani Satake, Jay Hill, and in addition to offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, they spoke to the media yesterday. It's the final media availability ahead of game week beginning uh, officially with media availability next Monday. Kalani Sitake as well as some players will address the media around noon mountain time via Zoom. So that's the next time we'll hear from BYU when it actually is game week and BYU's getting ready for Sam Houston State. But in their comments yesterday, some very interesting tidbits that I took away that I wanted to highlight before uh, we moved on to other topics on today's show. The first one was something that's been uh, bandied about. We've talked about it here on this podcast, is that BYU needed to really kind of establish what they were going to do at quarterback. And that was the interesting conversation coming out of what I thought was most of this media availability was Aaron Roderick saying that 
BYU is going to have a, a, a pecking order of Keaton Slovis as the starter. No surprise to anybody who's been paying attention. Then Jake Ratzloff is the number two quarterback, and then Cade Fennigan, number three. Those are kind of the favorites it felt like to uh, round out the depth chart for BYU at quarterback. But as an interesting twist in that Cade Fennigan already has burned his redshirt year, and he doesn't have that available to him, whereas Jake Retzloff does. So, in theory this season, BYU can have Jake Retzloff playing up to four games and still retain his red shirt, obviously uh, thereby keeping him eligible for two more seasons to play for the BYU football program. But the biggest thing is that uh, if BYU were to suffer a pretty significant injury to a guy like Keaton Slovis, they actually may turn their attention to going with a guy like Cade Fennigan because they don't want to burn Jake Retzloff's red shirt. Obviously, if Keaton Slovis suffered a season-ending injury, knock on wood, fingers crossed, rub your lucky uh, rabbit for whatever good charm you have around you, you don't want to see that happen. But if it were to happen in that circumstance, you absolutely would forego having Jake Retzloff use that redshirt year and you would just install him as your number one quarterback. He is the better athlete, he's the better quarterback overall than Cade Fennigan. And Cade Fennigan's battled his way through some dings and dents this uh, training camp to get himself able to play for BYU. And that's not to say that Ryder Burton couldn't push for more playing time. That's not to say that Nick Billups also could make a play if BYU needed them to. But Jake Retzloff has shined throughout the entirety of training camp. Many of you might recall during spring camp, there was a big question mark around him because we just hadn't seen him. Well, as we found out, he underwent a tonsillectomy to take his tonsils out and then actually suffered two, uh, I guess, uh, setbacks that required two more procedures to clean up all of the uh, issues with his uh, tonsils there. And it just cost him more than half of spring camp. To his credit, he battled back towards the end of uh, spring camp. It looked very much like he was getting engrossed in this offense, really under understanding what was going on, and then in the training camp, he's absolutely been a revelation. Showing that big arm, the ability to really uh, be a fantastic uh, player for the BYU football program, and one thing I don't think we're necessarily mentioning as much that we probably should, he is actually a very very good athlete, a guy who is capable of bringing the QB run game more into BYU's offense than a guy like Keaton Slovis. Obviously, Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson were pretty fleet-footed, and I could use their feet to pick up yards for BYU. That's just not necessarily what Keaton Keaton Slovis' game is for BYU right now, so if it were to come to it, it sounds like that if they were asking Jake Retzloff to enter the fray and play in a game or two, or even maybe the rest of the season in the case of a, a major injury, that obviously would bring the QB run game back into focus for BYU, make it a bigger part of the offense once again. Other notes coming out of this include that uh, BYU has seen a guy go from eighth string to second string, according to Aaron Roderick. That would be Mata'ava Ta'ase, a Southern Utah uh, Thunderbird transfer coming to BYU, walking on the BYU football program, and I have heard uh, tidbits about him throughout training camp. We had a conversation, many of you might recall, early on in training camp with tight ends coach Steve Clark that we played on this podcast, and he talked about Tava, as he calls him, understanding this offense because he played in the similar type offense down at Southern Utah. As Aaron Roderick said, Tava came to BYU just asking for an opportunity to play for BYU, and he said he just worked his way up every single day in training camp to where he is the number two tight end for BYU. Does that mean that if Isaac Rex isn't able to go, they insert him right away? No, there's also opportunities for guys like Mason Fakahua as well as Ray Paulo to go into games in certain circumstances, but to see a guy go from 
eighth string to second string in the period of a training camp. That's just about three weeks. It's a pretty incredible rise and awesome to see it for a guy like Taava, uh, Mataava Taase. And I, I can, I would just congratulate him. That's awesome. Awesome news for him, and that proves that BYU has been finding talent at, at different points. Uh, that's the thing about this. This is a kid who was pretty lightly thought of coming into BYU training camp. I remember seeing his name on the roster. I'm like, okay, we'll see what he's got. But for him to make that move and pass multiple other guys on this depth chart who have got more experience, obviously higher recruiting rankings, all that type of stuff, it's a very, very fun story to track that. They also mentioned that uh, Mason Fakahua and Ray Paula will play more of that hybrid position. I've told you guys once I said on Saturday's show that Mason Fakahua is going to be a name you absolutely want to have in your uh, back pocket when it comes to the season. When you see number 22 score a touchdown and you yell Fakahua, don't blame me if your mom or significant other punches you and said, what did you just say? Uh, yeah, but it's it's a fun name to say, but just be very careful with it because it may get you in trouble. But nonetheless, Mason Fakahua, I think, is going to take on a big role for BYU this year, and a- as he should, honestly. It'd be fun to see that happen. Now, one other thing that was obviously talked a lot about, uh, Jeff Hansen's talked about this, other people were talking about on social media, is that the tra- not the transfer, the, the substitution patterns for BYU are going to change this season as well. Gone are the days of the hockey subs. Ed the Lamb's ill-conceived idea that you play two or three plays and then you get everybody out and put a whole fresh unit back onto the field because they're going to play just as good as guys that are that just play the three plays. That is gone. Uh, the, the situation is that you will see BYU's defensive line rotate the most in terms of substitutions, linebackers a little bit less, but as Jay Hill mentioned, the secondary is not going to change all that much. You remember that 11 for 11 swap last year against Arkansas? Those are gone. And for good reason, because you need to have your best players on the field. Uh, the thing about this is that the quote is that the secondary doesn't rotate much at all. And Kalani Sitake added that the ones need all of the looks when it comes to the game. We've got to have the best guys on the field. Thank you. I'm glad somebody's realizing that after all of this time. I'm just being only slightly facetious. You do have first string guys for a reason. There's a reason a depth chart exists. Your first ring guys are your best football players. Why in the world are they rotating 50-50, maybe slightly 60-40 with guys who are behind them in the depth chart? They are the best players. They play the most. The backups come in when those guys need a blow. When they tap their helmet and say, hey, I need to get out for a play or two, that's when the backups go in. This is not the days of uh, youth soccer or whatever other sport where everybody's got to play. It is not... Uh, it, it's not a participation trophy deal. It felt like at times for BYU when they were switching all, they were going like three deep and moving guys in and out of the lineup every single play it felt like. I am appreciative of the idea from Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki on that front, but it was ill-conceived at first and frankly, just in practice, even worse in terms of its overall production. So, Expect to see less substitutions, especially on defense for this year, because the best players are going to play. And as Kalani Sitake says, you need to have your best players on the field as much as possible because they are your best players. They're the ones that are expected to make plays. Now, as Jay Hill also noted, you go into games like the first couple of games of a season and you expect to have a guy maybe play 10 or 11 or snaps. You don't have to expect them to play much. And all of a sudden, they just uh, when the lights come on, they're absolute ballers and they just, they're just absolutely incredible. And he says that they play 40 to 50 snaps and become a full-time starter. Could that happen for BYU where a guy you expect to start ends up getting usurped? His position gets usurped by somebody else behind him in the lineup? That could happen. But you got to prove it on the field. It's not a, merit- it's a meritocracy. It's not 
not just a, a, a God-given right for you to be able to go out there and play football because you just so happen to be on that roster. That's what it felt like at times for BYU in past defenses. Those days are over and done with, and I, for one, say hallelujah. I'm appreciative that BYU realizes we've got to have our best players on the football field. It's good to hear that uh, guys like Eddie Heckard have been very, very uh, well-received. Jay Hill said that his standard, that his ability to understand what Jay expects of him as a guy who played for him at Weber State has rubbed off on other guys. Uh, there were some people out there. Our good friend uh, Q-Ball actually asked the question, of me that I want to talk about on this. And the question was, uh, with regards to Eddie Heckard, uh, there were some people out there, and I don't remember who he mentioned. I apologize. Uh, so Matt asked this. He said that, I uh, heard other people projecting that Eddie Heckard could play at safety at the next level. Is there a chance he plays safety for BYU this year? And if so, who is the next man up to play for that cornerback group? Well, he could play safety at the NFL level, but he is not playing safety for BYU this year. Eddie Heckard's a cornerback. He's played cornerback his entire college career. He came to BYU with the thought that he was going to be a guy who's going to play at the highest level he can in college game at the Power 5 level for BYU at cornerback. Safety, I, I get the idea of it because maybe he makes the move in the in the NFL, but when he gets to the NFL, he can make that move. They brought him to BYU to play cornerback. He came to BYU to face off against the opposition's best wide receivers and to prove himself at the highest levels of college football. I, I just don't see it happening. They have. Uh, they also mentioned that Talon Alfrey, speaking of Jay Hill, has shown really well the last few days in filling in for the injured Micah Harper. The good news is, uh, if you want to consider it that, uh, is that Micah Harper is the only season-ending ending, season injury right now for the BYU football program. So, uh, relatively good news on that front, but I just don't. I, Matt, I can uh, I can appreciate that people think that hey, well Jacob Robinson made that transition to playing safety once upon a time from corner. Why wouldn't you move Eddie Heckard back there? It's not happening. I would put big money that Eddie Heckard does not play safety for this year. I just. He came to BYU to play cornerback. Why in the world did you take a guy from his natural position, move him to a different position, and say, oh, by the way, you've been working here for the last uh, six months. You're going to work at this position for the next six months. It just... It seems asinine, honestly, to consider that notion, and I apologize if that comes off too strong, but I just do not see that happening. It just seems, it just seems, just ludicrous in my mind to force a guy like that to do that. If he's going to play safety at the next level, so be it. Do that in the NFL. Put him at the position cornerback that he is expected and has been an impact player at throughout his college career and give him that opportunity to go prove himself for you. If his if circumstances be that he's not living up to what he's expected to do, he's just not effective enough, then you consider that. But you do not short circuit all the work you've done with him at one position just because you have a hole in another position. Because I don't think BYU's cornerbacks unit is as deep as some may think it is. There's a lot of young talent in that group, but Jay Hill said it himself. If you want to go back and listen to those comments, they're young. They're still learning the position. They're still learning what they're expected to do, the level they are expected to play at in this defense. You have Jacob Robinson. You have Maury Bomba. You have Cam Garrett. Okay, those are three cornerbacks, but you need a fourth guy, and that fourth guy is your lead guy. That is Eddie Heckard. So I, I just leave it alone. I, I do not see any reason to, to screw with his position because I feel like it actually have a net negative on BYU's chances of being a successful defense by taking an All-American and moving him out of position. Just makes zero, zero sense 
to me to see that happen. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're actually going to talk more cornerbacks. One of the guys I just mentioned, Maury Bomba. I was going to play this interview on yesterday's podcast. Decided to scratch it due to going over time on yesterday's show. Maury talks a lot about his time coming from the junior college ranks at Tyler uh, Junior College down in Texas, playing for Tanner Jacobson, the head coach down at Tyler, obviously a former Cougar in Tanner Jacobson, helping steer him BYU's way, and he's really come into his own. He's probably going to start for BYU if they start in their nickel package against Sam Houston State. It would not surprise me to see number 19 on the field in the starting unit for BYU on defense, and he'll explain more about his transition to BYU, where he feels like he's succeeded the most as a football player, and we'll get to all that as we continue on right here. Unlocked on Cougars. Now, real quick, a word on our friends over at Bird Dogs. Of course, we have talked about Bird Dogs many times over the past couple of months. The best part is they make you look good because they have Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, giving you a truly sculpted look. We all want to look sculpted. I get that. The best part is that they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And more importantly, they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any and all of the movement you are used to. They also also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Obviously, we've had a crazy scenes up and down the, the West Coast and out here into Utah with uh, Hurricane Hillary, but hot weather is going to be back soon enough, and Bird Dogs can help keep you cool in that hot weather. So go to birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college or use that promo code Locked on College for a free white tech hat from our friends over at Bird Dogs. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listener of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the podcast. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's edition of the podcast, planning to play an, another interview that I have in the queue from Max Tooley. Had a great chat with one of BYU's senior leaders on defense, a guy that Jay Hill, going back to some of the comments from their, uh, I guess, fall camp ending press conference, Jay Hill said that he's very encouraged by what guys like Max Tooley and Ben Bywater are showing in the defense right now. But more, the bigger thing for them is to learn the defense. Defense. And you're going to hear Max talk about that on tomorrow's podcast, barring something unforeseen. And he'll explain exactly how he feels about this defense, where he thinks he fits in the most, and if he can have the same type of starring role in this defense as he had last year for BYU. Obviously, those multiple pick sixes along the way. All right. Uh, without further ado, though, that is time to catch up with BYU cornerback Maury Bomba. I had a great chat with him recently out at training camp for BYU, talking a lot about his time making the transition from the junior college ranks to play playing for BYU, and obviously what he expects to do for BYU now that they are members of the Big 12 Conference. So here you go, Maury Bamba with myself right here on Locked on Cougars. You're a guy who came here last year as a junior college transfer. You had an entire year in the program. How are you feeling right now? Um, right now I'm feeling pretty good, you know, so we had a kind of change of uh, coaching staff defensively. So, you know, that comes with new playbook, mm-hmm. um, new coaching style, you know, so... Um, I'd say the biggest thing was just getting the new playbook down. 
Now, Coach Jacobson uh, was your coach at Tyler for a very short period. How much of an influence did he have in terms of you actually ending up here at BYU? Yeah, um, so as much as influence-wise, he, I was pretty close to uh, Coach Jacobson. Okay. Like, that was my guy Like when he first came in from the jump. And then, um, you know, me and him was just growing that connection going into the summer after spring ball. Mm -hmm. And then um, that's when my offers, I was getting a couple of FCS offers and offers started to pile up a little bit. And then um, he, talk, he talked to me about BYU maybe, um, might be wanting me. And um, so, you know, as a, as a man that, like, I really respect, so mm -hmm. I asked him, how, how's BYU, you know? Um, and then he said, uh, it's definitely a program that you could trust, you know, and yeah. you're going to get a lot of out of it by the time you graduate there, what if it's NFL-wise or, you know, business-wise, which is sure. what I'm majoring in right mm -hmm. now. Now, I assume that Coach Jameson then called Coach Guilford. Is that who ended up kind of being your contact here at BYU? Who was it that recruited you mainly? Yeah, so Coach Tuiaki. Tuiaki, okay. Um, and yeah. um, reached out to me. Uh -huh. Then after that, Coach um, G hit yep. me up shortly after. So, yeah, those <laughs> two guys reached out to me right away. Now, uh, how, and I also wanted to ask you, in terms of like you making the transition from the JC level to Division One now to the Power Five level, like you're, you're going up three levels in a yeah. qu fairly quick succession. How do you feel you're holding up so far? Um, pretty good. I'd say really good. You know, athletic-wise, I think I was ready. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just more of the mental aspect of the game, confidence aspect, you know, because yeah. it's just it's, much, it's a much faster game. It's yeah. much more reads and learning you got to do. So I said that's the only difference. And, um, Again, I'm going against receivers who are, you know, played at this level mm -hmm. for probably longer than me. Mm -hmm. So it's just in that aspect, that's about it. Uh, what's it been like working in Coach Hill's defense so far? It's been fun, you know, <laughs> a lot of, it's been really fun. Um, he's been challenging, making a lot, a lot of the corners to challenge uh -huh. um, around the, on the field. Um, he, he puts us in the best position. I say that's the most fun part about uh -huh. the defense, you know. Um, it gets us really prepared going into the season. Now, Eddie Heckard played for him at Weber State. How much of a resource has he been for you? I also same thing for Camden Garrett, I guess. Yeah, same yeah, thing. yeah. So yeah, Eddie, um, I got the time to spend more time with him in the spring. Yeah. And then um, right away, um, I try to you know ask him as much questions as I can because you know he has the same goal as me. He's, uh, he this is last season going in. He wants to he want us to win just as bad as the rest of us want to do. So. Um, you know, I was comfortable get going to Eddie. Um, he he broke down the defense to me a couple times. You know, um, made me more comfortable out there. Showed me a couple, uh, showed me a couple things to perfect my technique. So he's been a huge help. And then you know, Cam came in, been growing closer to Cam. Um, anything technique-wise, you know, I ask Cam here and there. You know, but yeah, it's been it's cool. We have a good corner room. How are you feeling about playing in the Big Twelve? Um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to show uh, what, big, uh, what BYU can do in the Big 12. I think we have the defense for it. We have the offense for it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, just, I'm just excited to shock the world. How, how confident are you in your guys' ability to go in and compete right away here in this new conference? I'm very confident mm -hmm. um, because one thing that can get you wins is the culture that yeah. we have here. And um, we have a really strong culture here, you know. And um, all the guys here, they work hard. Um, no one gets complacent, you know, which is the biggest thing in college football. Um, you know, so, you know, these other schools meet, they have, you know, five stars and all this, you know, crap. But I don't think that, that matters, honestly. It's just the guys we got here, I think we trust. Is there an opponent or two that you're looking forward to playing most? Um, I'd say Oklahoma. Okay. 
Um, just because that's my uh, my junior college quarterback. Yeah. He plays there. Okay. Um, his name is General Booty. So. Oh, you play General Booty? Okay. Yeah. One of the best names in college football, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So you're so, excited yeah. to play them? Okay. Yeah, it'd be exciting to, you know, see him at quarterback uh -huh. and then, you know, me at DB, maybe get a pick on him or something, you know. That'd be fun. Uh, last thing for me for you, what's your favorite part about being in Utah? Um, definitely the people okay. and the connections. Um, so, you know, I've been in a lot of different environments and, um, and one thing I learned is um, <laughs> the people who, who you're around is like who you become. And it's a lot of great people here in Utah and I feel like I'm gonna make lifelong connections here that's gonna last like 10 years later, you know, so. Awesome. Well, Maury, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. There you go, Maury Bamba, BYU cornerback, and really appreciate him taking the time. I really enjoyed getting to know him, and I hope you guys have enjoyed getting to know these guys like I have. I, I take an opportunity, it feels like, a lot of times to step away from a lot of the quote-unquote headlining players. Of course, I like talking to those guys, but I want to get to know guys on the roster who are still going to have key roles for BYU, whether it's on offense or defense, who may not necessarily get as many headlines as others. Now, a guy like Maury Bamba, if he goes out and starts lighting it up, getting all kinds of pass breakups, interceptions, making game uh, breaking uh, plays for the BYU defense. Of course, those headlines will come his way, but really fun to hear him talk about the fact that Tanner Jacobson was a big influence on him and helped uh, get him uh, interested in BYU and helped kind of steer him this direction. And really cool to hear about just how he, his transition has gone from playing the junior college level, coming to BYU, adjusting to play at a playing at a higher level of football, and obviously having Coach Guilford. Speaking of Gennaro Guilford, as BYU's cornerbacks coach, I know what uh, Coach Guilford requ requires of his athletes to be able to play for him because he's got a very, very high standard as a guy who's a former all-conference type player for the BYU football program. Coach G, as they call him, he knows what it takes to succeed at this level, and he will not like bend at all. He is going to make sure that his guys are capable of contributing in a big way, and you can tell that has been instilled upon guys like Maury Bomba, and once again, a big thank you to him for taking the time to join us right here on the podcast. All right, I got a couple of notes before we go on today's show. A look back at a really, really tough loss for BYU in the 2022 season. BYU basketball makes it 2-0 and on their four-game uh, series out there in Europe. Uh, we'll talk about how they performed in that game. And also, we need to talk a little bit about what's going on in other BYU sports. We'll get to all that as we continue on right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Real quick, a word on our friends over at UCCU. They have a new thing called Learn and Earn, my friends. The UCCU mobile banking app is paying your entire family to learn about money. Of course, kids always look to parents to become financially literate. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But nonetheless, parents don't always know the answers. I admit, I don't know the answers. So that's where Learn and Earn comes in. Learn and Earn from UCCU brings out financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. And every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can accrue and be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more, my friends. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against one another and track their progress on leaderboards. The best part is Learn and Earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so you can play at any time anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. It's simple as that. So start today. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate along the way. It's all done together from our friends over at UCCU. Love where you bank. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30, 
Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Wednesday uh, whenever you watch and or listen to this. A uh, personal note real quick on that front is today is the five-year anniversary of this podcast. Yes, August 23rd, 2018, I sat down and recorded the very first podcast I had ever done for Locked On Cougars. I went back and listened to that podcast recently, and whew, uh, let's just put it this way. I feel like I've come a long way, and there's still uh, plenty for me to improve on as a podcaster, but we have now done, I think today's like 1,405 episodes, something to that effect, 1,400 episodes over five years. Uh, It's absolutely incredible to me that we've been doing it this long, frankly. Uh, There was some thought that uh, when we launched this podcast, we'd see how it went and obviously uh, see if I'd be able to keep up with the daily grind of it all because doing a daily podcast, it's not easy. I I freely admit that. And people talk to me all the time. How do you really come up with content for it? Well, honestly, a lot of it comes down to the fact that there is a passion for BYU amongst the fan base out there, all of you watching this podcast. You guys are the reason why it's easy to do what I do because a number of you, when I miss something, when I miss a story, you're quick to point it out and I'm able to pivot and talk about the stories. I, I got to give a, a big tip of the cap to guys like Jimmy. I also had one, I also got it from Ethan as well as I think it was Eric yesterday. Y'all sent me uh, links to the comments from Coach Jerome Tang of Kansas State about Quez Glover. I saw that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, we got a big topic for today's show, and we talked about it on yesterday's show. Stuff like that. You guys, the community that we have built here on this podcast, there's thousands of you who tune in every single day, whether it's via YouTube or whether it's via the myriad of podcast apps out there. It feels like there's a gazillion of them anymore. You guys are the reason why we're able to do what we do. So I just sincerely from the bottom of my heart, I, I thank you guys for the support. Honestly, it, 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 this does not get done without you guys being along and being a part of what this is. I, I know that I'm the mouthpiece and I babble on and on and on for 20 to 30 minutes every single day and I'm in your ears, you're watching me on camera. What? I get that uh, I can it can be a little it can drone on and on at times, but the bigger thing is I, is I appreciate every single one of you for your support of the podcast. And without you guys, we would not be averaging. I just pulled this up: two hundred and eighty-one episodes on average per year. It's crazy. It just the idea of that having done this for five straight years, and to my wife and my kids, the fact that they 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 give me the latitude to do it. It's just. It's absolutely incredible to consider uh, how long we've been going for, and I I don't have any plans to step away anytime soon. I still enjoy doing it every single day. Yes, there are are days that are uh, harder than others to come up with topics. Obviously, during the summer months, it can be a tough thing to come up uh, with stuff. But uh, like I said, you guys are as big a part of this as I am. I just so happen to be this the the talking head that you tune into every single day. So just... uh, just understand that I appreciate it. I say this all the time. I am appreciative of you guys and your support of the podcast because, like I said, people don't listen. It's not worth it to me to do it. But you guys show up in droves every single day, and it's heartwarming. It makes me a little emotional to consider how many people out there really enjoy the podcast. So uh, thank you. It really does. It makes the job easy when you guys take the time to check it out, and it's just crazy. Five years, 
an average of 281 episodes a year. It's crazy. But at the same time, it has been a wild ride, and it just feels like in many ways we're just getting started. Obviously, we'll continue to upgrade things as we go along here. I've got plans to upgrade some more equipment here in the next little bit as well. But uh, just thank you for all the support from the bottom of my heart uh, on behalf of my family because obviously my wife, uh, she's a big part of this as well. She's kind of the engine behind it that gets it going. She encourages me on days that I really don't feel like doing. She's like, just go get it done. She pushes me, and uh, it, you guys push me as well, honestly. Like, when I don't do an episode, when I don't get it out, when you guys typically expect it, of course, I got people reaching out saying, hey, is everything okay? Yeah, and stuff happens. We've had technical difficulties and uh, transitions where it hasn't happened at the same time every single day, but the goal is to have you guys covered on the BYU front literally every single weekday, and during the season, we go even more than that. It's almost seven days a week at that point, so... Just get ready. It's going to be a fun season. BYU is a member of the Big 12 Conference. I couldn't have imagined BYU doing that five years ago when we started this podcast. I'm actually sitting in the same basement I started that podcast in, albeit I sit in a different spot in a different room in that basement. But it's crazy to consider how far we've come. But like I said, we're we're just getting started. We got plenty more to do, plenty more things stories to cover, games to talk about, storylines to to dig into, uh, lines to be read between it. Just We're going to have fun. So uh, pardon me for gushing on and on about, the, about those notes, but it's been really, really fun to do what I do. And once again, a big thank you to all of you for checking it out. If you don't mind, uh, just my, my wish on this five-year anniversary, share it with a family or friend um, uh, that you don't necessarily see all the time and tell them about this podcast. Tell them, hey, check this out. This is a really cool podcast. It's out there. It covers all things BYU. And I just really cannot uh, thank you guys enough once again for checking it out. All right, uh, final few notes before we go on to Today's show include uh, BYU basketball. They are playing over in uh, Europe. They played against uh, Palasan Pal- uh, I don't know how you even say this. Pia Pia Sanestro Trieste. They played in Trieste, Italy, if I, as I understand it. As BYU went on to win this game, eighty-four to seventy-three, and through two games of their overseas tour for BYU, they have hit nineteen. It was nineteen threes in this win uh, in Trieste uh, yesterday, and then sixteen threes the day before that. BYU shooting the cover off the basketball right now. Does that mean the defenses are not up to snuff? Like what? What, what is the exact situation that BYU? Is dealing with right now. I don't necessarily uh, proclaim to think to know anything much about who BYU is playing, the level of competition they're going up against. But the nice part is they're getting game experience together, going into what might be the toughest season in BYU basketball history. The Big Twelve is no joke in basketball, and BYU is going to need every single thing that they can come up with in terms of just advantages to be able to go out there and and play to the best of their ability. And hoisting up a bunch of threes and making them at a pretty high clip would go a long way to helping BYU. Why you balance what will be some games where they're just completely outmatched in terms of athleticism, etc. So uh, good to see BYU get that win. Jonathan Tavernari, the former Cougar himself, who played for a number of years in Europe, uh, also in Italy in particular, had a, a former teammate. I think he said, "Yeah, one of my former teammates just played against BYU." Said this, "Not bad for them, eh, Johnny?" Well, there's a big guy who didn't play. Of course, that would be the Egyptian magician himself. Uh, number two, what a player! That's Jackson uh, Robinson. If he stays like this, he'll have make some real money. 
I like the shooter you told me about. Trevin Nell shot as high as yours, exclamation point. So uh, some mad props coming BYU's way with that win over there in Trieste. They're now headed to Croatia uh, to play in those games. Uh, one of them will be in uh, the hometown. Uh, the, yeah, it's the hometown, home arena of former BYU legend, uh, the late BYU legend, Treshmir Chosic. Looking forward to that game, but obviously a good showing for BYU once again. Hopefully they can continue that as they now cross the border into Croatia to play the final two games of that series. All right. Uh, final note on today's show is a look back at another game in BYU's independent run. Today we talk about East Carolina. Now, BYU is coming off uh, two really, really rough losses. Actually, three in a row, but two very rough losses in blowout fashion to both uh, Arkansas as well as Liberty. They returned home to host the Eastern Carolina Pirates. Now, excuse me, Eastern Carolina or East Carolina was not necessarily a world beater. They were a good team. They were 5-3 and three coming into this game against BYU. The Cougars sitting at 4-4. Four and four. BYU felt like they were starting to figure some things out as they got ready for this game. And in this game, it looked like they were a team that was still trying to figure their way out and work their way back from being the team that they were just a couple of weeks previous. Uh, they had moments in this game where it felt like, okay, BYU's got to figure it out. They're going to squeak out a win here. Well, it just didn't come to fruition because BYU ended up, it was, uh, what was the kicker's name? Uh, Andrew Conrad kicked maybe the ugliest game-winning kick I can remember in recent memory. It uh, just got across the, the crossbar, and East Carolina got out of BYU with a 27-24 victory. Uh, it was a walk-off kick, as they say. No time remaining. It was just a wobbler that literally just barely cleared the crossbar. I remember watching that kick saying, okay, if that thing makes it, and it went across. And BYU called two timeouts to try and ice the kicker and doing everything they could uh, to disrupt it. But it was just a heart-rending loss for BYU. Because like I said, watching this game in the, the, the different circumstances, it felt like, okay, BYU is going to take control of this. They're going to get out of there with a win and feel a little bit better about themselves as they turn their attention uh, to other games down the stretch. But it just it did not come to fruition for the Cougars. End up losing this one 27 to 24 to drop below 500. The fourth straight loss drops them to four and five on the season. Uh, Jaron Hall had a pretty pedestrian game once again as he continued to work his way back to full fitness. 18 of 25, 144 yards and two touchdowns. Lopini Katoa came in uh, with Christopher Brooks injured, rushed for 20 carries, 116 yards and one touchdown. Like decent numbers. BYU ran for 244 yards. In most games in BYU football history, if you run for nearly 250 yards, average 5.8 yards per carry, you're traditionally going to win those games, but this is just one of those games. It's kind of that you win 9 out of 10 of those that you play. Well, this was the one that you happened to lose, but BYU would bounce back in a big way, and they do it against one of their big rivals of the independent era the following week when they took on Boise State, and we'll talk about that game on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. More importantly, this happened on the blue, as they say, up in Boise. So, all right. Uh, I think we have gone over time once again. We are like three for three this week in terms of keeping you guys extra time on the podcast. But uh, once again, thank you for all the support. Five years. Uh, us here to five more. Here's the 500 more, I guess I should say. But looking forward to many, many more editions of this podcast with you guys. And a big thank you once again for making it your first listen of the day. And thank you once again for, as we call you guys, being everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. We'll talk to you guys again soon. See ya. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.